0: Hey there, this is Troy Lambert, the executive producer of Haven Today and the Great Stories Podcast. If you listen to our daily program, you know Charles is currently traveling in Poland right now, capturing stories that are unfolding in light of the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. And so while he's away, we wanted to go back to a podcast we aired just a little over a year ago that has now become one of our most listened to so far. It's with Dr. J.I. Packard as he talks about weakness and finding our strength in Christ. Next week, Charles will be back with a brand new podcast with many of the stories he's capturing right now in Eastern Europe. But until then, enjoy this great story. Welcome to the Great Stories Podcast, where we take some of the most compelling conversations from the Haven Today radio program and release them here for a new audience in a new way. I'm Charles Morris. And today, we're going back about five years to an interview I did with the late J.I. Packer. You may know him as the author of Knowing God. I know him for many things, including driving him home from the school where he taught for so many years, after a class when his vision kept him from driving himself. That's also what we're talking about today. You see, the late Jim Packer was well acquainted with weakness all his life having lived most of it with a hole in his skull after getting struck by a bread truck as a child. You'll hear some of that story in just a moment. So instead of getting a bicycle like other boys his age, his parents gave Jim a typewriter and he put it to good use for decades. And toward the end of his life, in light of his lifetime vulnerability, he may have been the perfect person to talk about 2 Corinthians and how Christ's strength is made perfect in our weakness. Wherever this interview finds you in life, whether you're perfectly healthy, elderly, or suffering in some way, I know this conversation with my friend who died last August will bless your soul. Just before we hear from Dr. Packer, I want to encourage you to click on our subscribe button so you can be reminded every time we have a new episode. And then take another quick moment to rate our podcast and leave a friendly note it's a simple way for us to know you're enjoying our work and it also helps others discover the great stories as well thank you so much this is haven today and we're coming to you from regent college in vancouver and uh i'm joined by dr j.i packer and uh Dr. Packer, you've been with me on this program before. Thank you very much for joining me again.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure.
0: And the last time you let me call you Jim, so may I call you Jim this time? Yes, of course you may. (laughs) Uh, You have a new book out, and it's called Weakness is the Way. You share of yourself as being a weak person.
1: Can you explain that to me? That's perfectly true. It started when I was a kid. I was a somewhat withdrawn child and uh, adolescent anyway. At age seven, I was being chased, as a matter of fact. Mm -hmm. So I ran into the road and collided with a truck. And the effect of that, cutting the intermediate details out, was to leave me with a hole in my head, a hunk of bone. Um, had been taken out of my head by uh, a brilliant surgeon, actually. Mm -hmm. They feared that the effect of the impact and the breaking of the bone in my forehead might well be that my brain would be damaged and my behavior and my talk and so on would show it for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that actually happened. Growing up, I was always having to adjust to having a hole in my head. Mm. I feel the force of it when people say, I need that like I need a hole in my head. <laughs> and it does create problems. When I was a teenager, I had to keep out of school sports. I was marginalized in that way. Also, as a teenager, and indeed before, from right from the time I came out of hospital at age seven, I had to wear an aluminium plate held onto my head by elastic Hmm. to cover the hole and guard me, you see, against um, accidental blows. Well, it made me conspicuous, of course, and I didn't enjoy that feeling.
0: And for a child, you were made fun of.
1: Well, I was rather, Yes. now that you put it that way, Mm -hmm. though I wasn't going to say it that way to you. Mm -hmm. But, yes, and from that standpoint... I can sympathize, even though it's from a distance, with some of the bullying experiences that kids Mm -hmm. go through these days Mm -hmm. and that hit the headlines because, Mm. you know, there have been two or three dreadful cases of kids committing suicide because they couldn't stand the bullying. That's right. Yes, I was marginalized. I was thought of as a bit of a freak. I gave up the aluminium plate when I left school and went to Oxford and never covered the hole since. I've simply trusted myself and trusted the Lord to keep me out of blows mm-hmm. on the bit of my head where they would do real damage.
0: You still have a small indentation on your forehead today. And oh, yes, I do. You've always that's had to right. be careful, yes, I guess. That's then. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: You're known as a theologian of great respect around the world, an evangelical, conservative theologian. You're originally out of the Church of England, and, and you're an ordained Anglican uh, That's right. pastor. You've been teaching theology. Weakness is what you decided to speak about last. I get up in the morning and feel weak some days, and I'm not in my late 80s. A lot of our listeners may feel that way.
1: Why weakness? <laughs> The essence of the feeling of weakness is that you have to face the fact that you can't do what you'd like to do and what in some cases uh, you think you ought really to be able to do, Mm -hmm. one reason or another. And when you're frustrated at that level, well, you do feel it. Some
0: Christians think they're very strong, maybe the more outgoing person. Mm -hmm. Some Christians, by nature, think they're weak. And this may be the introvert. The Apostle Paul, though, is an interesting case in point because you bring him up in your new book. Paul, at one point in his life, thought he was strong. By the time he got to writing Second Corinthians, though, uh-huh. it was a whole other matter.
1: Can you just explain that to us a little? You're absolutely right in what you say. Second Corinthians is unique among Paul's letters mm. because it is a Testimony to weakness From beginning to end Mm -hmm. At the end, Paul Is celebrating the fact that in his Weakness, he's being made Strong, but the factors Which he has Previously pinpointed As uh, Weakness factors, let me put Mm -hmm. it That way, they are still there So that he will need the constant Strength of the Lord Jesus to Cope with them. Mm -hmm. See, Paul Is dealing with uh, an extremely rambunctious congregation. The converts at Corinth, most of them it seems were Gentiles, some of them were Jewish. Mm-hmm. But they seem all to have had the Corinthian spirit, which was a spirit of uh, happy-go-lucky truculence, I think. <laughs> uh, Paul, right from the start, right from his arrival in Corinth, had found that their attitude to him produced feelings of weakness Mm -hmm. right at the beginning he comes as a traveling teacher Corinth is a prosperous city and uh, they have this happy-go-lucky element in their mindset and they're used to um, traveling teachers the traveling teachers who come before Paul were big-name teachers Mm -hmm. big-name people but traveling teachers in the first century Greek or roman Empire did behave. Mm. Um, it was a thing that people did professionally, and they had a way of talking. They would flatter, they would exalt themselves as they talked, uh, indicating that they were very special people with very <laughs> special knowledge, and a great deal of shrewdness, and smartness, and Cunning, I think, is the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, were, they were expected to show themselves as being smart in that way mm-hmm. because that was part of the Corinthian ethos. So, uh, I was with you, says Paul, in uh, weakness and fear, much trembling, and I had to trust God for the fruit of, if there was going to be any fruit, from what I would say to you. And actually, Luke, telling the story of the... Uh, Paul's ministry at Corinth he says that um, after a fairly period of time in which there had been rows but not been many converts at all Christ strengthened Paul with a vision speak up Paul don't hold your peace I have many people in this Mm. city
0: Mm. this was in the book of Acts
1: this is in the book of Acts chapter 18 Mm -hmm. and so Paul had gone on but despite his sense of being, well, despised as a traveling teacher who didn't know the rules of his own game. And you can tell, there's the hint that he was hurt by yes. this. Oh, yes. Paul was a very sensitive fellow, that's clear. Mm-hmm. And it's dollars to donuts that he was hurt, and hurt badly. Mm. Well, now, f- fast forward. Paul is now planning to write Second Corinthians, mm-hmm. and the situation which he's addressing has the following elements in it. First, he is very much afraid that an earlier letter that he wrote, which hasn't survived...
0: We we know there was one.
1: Yes, that's right. He he mentions it.
0: Yes, we just don't have it
1: today. Mm -hmm. No, we don't have it. Its burden, as Paul makes clear when he refers to it, was a very sharp rebuke to them for not having acted in a, a scandalous case where church discipline had to be administered. Mm. A a man shacking up with his mother-in-law, actually. Mm. Mm. Paul's explicit about it at the beginning of 1 Corinthians 5. That clearly was the case. Paul says there, you've got to do something about this. Mm. They hadn't done anything. Paul actually had paid another visit to Corinth and told them, you've got to do this. It's interesting. He tells them, you've got to do it because you're the church. And he doesn't do it himself. Because he's an apostle, mm. he wants them to grow into responsible church life. So he says, "You are to put this man out of your fellowship until he's re- repented and uh, mm. changed his lifestyle, and I shall applaud when you do it. But do I'll be, I'll be present with you in spirit, but I'll be on the touchline, so to speak. You've got to do it." And they hadn't done it. They were—I don't know how, what they'd said to Paul, but. The and we, that's bottom right. line is that they hadn't done it. Mm-hmm. Now, Paul has written this heavy letter to them, and he says, you've got to do this. Mm-hmm. And, well, we don't know the details of uh, the way he expressed himself, but now, when he comes to write Second Corinthians, he finds himself afraid that he's ruined his pastoral relationship with them, mm which he's been building up. He f- found it hard to build up, but he has been building it up over the years. They have had some respect for him, but where are we now? He doesn't really know.
0: He hears about uh, the other super-apostles,
1: though. Oh, yes, well, that's, 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 coming the fr- through. that's the second factor in the situation. Mm-hmm. What he does know, by the way, is that Titus, who, whom he sent to Corinth, um, after he'd written this tough letter, to see how they were taking it. Indeed, Titus may have been the messenger who carried the letter. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't that isn't clear one way or the other. But anyway, Titus has come back to Paul and told Paul, "Oh yes, they're taking it very seriously." But Paul still wonders, you know, if their attitude and the, uh, the fact that they have actually finally disciplined this fellow whether that hasn't been a flash in the pan. He tells them in Second Corinthians 2 that, well, you disciplined him, you came down hard on him, you put him out of your fellowship. But now, Titus says, he's begun to change. And if he's changed, well, then receive him back and mm-hmm. love yes. him again. Yes. Otherwise, you'll be giving Satan an advantage from a mm. different standpoint than mm. where he was before but you'll be giving Satan an advantage mm. well alright the, the Paul is still anxious about how his pastoral relationship with the Corinthians stands and he spends the first seven chapters of 2nd Corinthians really saying things that are meant to restore that pastoral relationship mm. it's Paul talking in general terms about his life now he suffered a great deal and he says so Mm -hmm. there's been tribulation they nearly killed me in Ephesus Um, probably that was in the in the riot that uh, Mm -hmm. Luke tells us about in Acts but God comforts us in all our tribulation and so forth that's how he starts the letter and well as I say there's the pastoral relationship he's concerned about then at an earlier stage He had asked the Corinthians to uh, take a collection which he could take to Jerusalem Mm -hmm. for the relief of the poor saints in Jerusalem. They had a poverty problem. Mm -hmm. And the Corinthians had shown initial enthusiasm for that, but Paul has reason to think that they have gone off the boil and haven't completed the collection well, Paul is planning, actually, to call in at Corinth on his way back, ultimately, to Jerusalem. He's he's writing the letter, and Corinth is, uh, well, on one of the routes...
0: On back, the way back to so Jerusalem. On the way back
1: to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So he wants to call in and pick up the collection complete. The Corinthians had said, we will give you so much. So uh, there's no question about when the collection will be complete... And what would make it incomplete, you know, that mm-hmm. they're not, they hadn't finished? Mm-hmm. And Paul uh, says in Second Corinthians 8, chapters 8 and 9, he's talking mm-hmm. about the collection the whole time, and he says, um, I boasted, you know, of your enthusiasm for the collection when I was up in uh, Macedonia, that's where the Philippians and the Thessalonians mm-hmm. were, and you would be embarrassed, same as I shall be embarrassed if when I call on you and I'm likely to have one or two folk from Thessalonica and Philippi with me uh, it'll be very embarrassing if when we come to Corinth, we find that you haven't completed the collection, whereas the Thessalonians and the Philippians have done wonderfully well.
0: They've gone beyond
1: right. Yes, they've gone beyond what they first promised and uh, they are nothing like as affluent as you
0: are. They were Paul. convinced they were strong. They didn't think they had
1: needs. You see, but here is Paul very much feeling his weakness in relation to the collection. Somehow, he's got to get them to persuade them to finish the collection. And, and then it, he also has people that are criticizing him in the
0: Corinthian yes, church. That's, that's and that's, good, that's, that's disturbing true. to him as yes, well. That's
1: true. That's, that's the third headache that he has as mm. he sits down to write the letter yes the folk we don't know much about them but almost certainly they were Judaizers from mm. Jerusalem those scoundrels
0: of, were everywhere weren't they well, in that's the right. early they, church
1: that, that's right they followed Paul around everywhere that he went everywhere that he went there were um, Gentile converts non-Jewish converts mm-hmm. and Paul had told them now you don't need to become jews in order to be christians and these judaizers went around um, wherever he went uh, telling the gentile christians precisely the opposite yes. yes you do need to become jews
0: you've got you to need. be circumcised you've got to be yes.
1: circumcised big deal on that in galatians mm mm-hmm. You've got to keep the food laws and so on. Mm. You become Christians by becoming Jews. It just well,
0: drove Paul <coughs> nuts, didn't it? <laughs>
1: it did. And these particular Judaizers had spent a lot of time and energy criticizing Paul personally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for saying the things that they were countering, you see, mm-hmm. by their own teaching. Paul knew that. Uh, he's, he's been told so, one of the things he has to do, he knows, when he goes back to Corinth, is to confront these fellows mm. just as uh, sharply as they need to be confronted. Mm-hmm. So, he may be spoiling for a fight which he feels mm-hmm. he can't avoid. Mm. All right, now he sits down to write Second Corinthians, and the sense of his weakness in all these situations keeps coming through in everything, everything that he writes. And then, right at the end of the letter, he lifts the curtain on something that he never mentions in any of his other letters, but it's magnificent. He uh, reveals that God has seen fit to uh, give him a thorn in the flesh. What was it? Well, we don't know, we Mm -hmm. can't know, and uh, it's not uh, good use of mental energy to try and guess. But it was a lingering weakness. It was a lingering weakness. It was certainly physical, and it was certainly painful. Or he wouldn't have called it a thorn in the flesh. Mm -hmm. He'd have Mm -hmm. called it something else. It may have been a disease. uh, Indeed, it probably was a disease of some kind. But anyway, what he said was that uh, three times... In solemn seasons of prayer, he had asked the Lord Jesus, the healer. Jesus had healed the sick constantly, as you know, Mm. through his earthly ministry. Now Paul asks the Lord to heal him, and the Lord Jesus from his throne says, No, your thorn is going to stay with you, Paul, but my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. That means when you feel you're at the end of your tether because of the pain that the thorn is inflicting on you, you come back to me in prayer. You look towards me and remember who and what I am, and you ask me for the strength that you need, and you'll have it for the next task, whatever the next task is. And then come back to me again, and I will strengthen you some more for the task after that. So he says, uh, when Jesus had talked to him like that, and I suppose that this was an occasion, there are quite a number in the New Testament, where the Lord Jesus, from his throne, does use words Mm -hmm. to convey messages to his chosen servants. I assume that the Lord said it, and Paul heard it as it Mm -hmm. were somebody talking to him. And so he says, most gladly then, will I glory in weaknesses, Mm -hmm. distresses, tribulations, trials, all these forms of hardship that come my way. And he has actually been very specific and full in talking about the forms of hardship that Mm -hmm. came his way, Mm -hmm. Um, three times he, he lists about, them, yeah. list, list them three <laughs> lists in, uh, in the course of the letter and now he says I'll glory in these things that the power of mm. Christ may rest upon me mm. yes I shall continue being weak and feeling weak but I shall find that task by task and moment by moment Jesus is giving me what I need mm. what I need to say mm. what I need to do the attitude I need to take, the patience that I need to show with awkward people, and so on and so on. And that's the ultimate triumph, it seems to me, of Paul in Second Corinthians, yes? At the beginning, he tells them he's weak and he feels weak. Mm-hmm. At the end, he tells them he's still weak mm-hmm. and feels weak, mm-hmm. but... He goes on in the strength of Christ. When I am weak, then I am strong.
0: Jim, I've got to ask you, we need to apply this to us today. I once was sitting in on one of your classes and you made remarks, something to the effect that you can have great theology, but with no heart. It's not really great theology. How do we apply this to our lives I'm sure most of us if we pause long enough in busy schedules and and active lives we actually feel weak how do the words of Paul fit us today as Christ followers?
1: When we do feel weak we should do what I'm sure that Christ told Paul to do come back to me tell me your need lay it out Ask me for wisdom and ask me for strength. Wisdom, of course, is one element in strength. <laughs> Without wisdom, you can't keep control of situations. and when you've lost control of situations, then, well, you feel weak with a vengeance. You can't do anything further in that situation until you can recover control.
0: That's when we really feel our need for Christ. Well, we do being close
1: we do. And we need to ask him, give us the sense of the truth that you told the apostles before you ascended, lo, I am with you always. Give me the sense that you are standing by me. Give me the wisdom, give me the self-control, give me the control of the situation. Of course, control of the situation doesn't mean that you're always managing the situation. You may be in a situation that's comparable to Jesus before the high priest, Jesus before Pilate, Mm -hmm. Jesus as the prisoner in the hands of the people who who are in a position to make it rough for him. Well, he handled the situation, as we know, by saying very little, indeed, um, saying nothing to Pilate second time round. We are still in control of the situation, as he was still in control of the situation, if we are, as we sometimes need to be, behaving like that, saying very little. But nonetheless, keeping our integrity, keeping our consistency, and being the one who, at the end of the discussion, has dignity where the other folk in the discussion have lost theirs.
0: In 2 Corinthians, we see this weakness of Paul being opened for us. But, of course, the ultimate example of weakness is our Savior. It is Jesus. Oh, yes. Yes. It's Isaiah coming to fruition Mm -hmm. in the Gospels, the life of Christ. That's right. And that's our example, I guess.
1: Oh, yes, it is. And I think here of Isaiah 53, where Mm -hmm. from beginning to end the chapter is highlighting, you could even say celebrating, Mm. the weakness of God's servant, who in his weakness, and even through his weakness, brings redemption, because he accepts the Lord laying on him the iniquity of us all. And so he atones for our sins. And at the end of Isaiah 53, of course, the servant is alive again, and by what he's done he justifies many he bears Mm. their iniquities and now they acknowledge and love him as their savior oh yes Christ is the ultimate demonstration of the strength of weakness which is what we're talking about
0: we can take that to the bank and count on that (laughs) Yes, as you've mentioned of course you could have died from a truck hitting you when you were seven years old Mm. You're in your upper 80s now. Your hip. You had to have replaced. You've understood weakness. You've been teaching theology. You're recognized around the world. You wrote a best-selling book. And yet you've had this weakness that you've suffered. What does Jesus mean to you today?
1: Well, the Lord Jesus uh, means to me today what Paul tells us that... He meant, Jesus meant to him, to a lesser degree, perhaps, I mean, a lesser degree of pain and uh, intensity of of the sense of weakness. But I can, I think, honestly say that never a day goes by in which I can manage without the Lord Jesus by my side. I think that many of us, in fact, don't cultivate the sense of his presence with us, as we should. And so, we are, in fact, often much weaker than we realize, Mm -hmm. even though the sense of weakness isn't, shall I say, healthily strong. Mm. I think I've begun to learn to live a day at a time, Mm. and each day in Jesus' company. And then, well... I'm thankful that as a teacher of the truth as it is in Jesus, I've got that truth fairly well anchored in my mind and my memory, and I can happily meditate on it when I've got a free moment, which I try to do. I can still, and do, make lots of mistakes, mistakes that uh, I only become aware of after I've made them which I think is the way that most people experience the making of mistakes Mm -hmm. when they get to adult life. You think you've got everything taped, and then, boom, (laughs) you say something, you do something, you omit something, you forget something, and you realize, oh, I've made another mistake. But the Lord pardons mistakes, the Lord helps me, If I can put it this way To pick myself up Dust myself down And start all over again Mm. The Lord Jesus Forbids me to be discouraged And the Lord Jesus Forbids me to lose hope Mm. About anything And of course There are all sorts of involvements That I have Like anyone else About which It's rather important That one keeps hoping And trying to think constructively Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Planning what to do And making the best of awkward situations, for the glory of God. I try to think these things out as, been, as I am living with them and am aware of them, and I try to think them out in Jesus' presence. Is this right, Lord? I ask that question really over and over again. I could put my testimony from this standpoint into the four words, Jesus sees me through.
0: And he has. And he has. And, and is. he will. and, and yes, will. he does,
1: and he will.
0: <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Dr. Jim J.I. Packer, thank you for joining me here on Haven today.
1: Well, thank you, Charles, for the opportunity to say some of these things, which I've been very happy to say.
0: Dr. J.I. Packer, would you mind just leading us in prayer? We've been talking with you about weakness, finding our strength in Christ. Hopefully that's settled in, the need to depend on Christ has settled more into all of us. Would you mind leading us in prayer
1: right now? Surely. Lord Jesus, we have been talking about you, and now in prayer, we turn to you directly. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. We bow before you as your people, whom you have redeemed with your precious blood. And we thank you that risen from the dead and seated at the Father's right hand, you still, through the Spirit, make your presence a reality with us and stand by us and strengthen us, giving us wisdom, giving us patience, giving us insight, giving us skill in handling difficult situations. And the more we look to you to do this, well, the more sure we can be that indeed you will. And if we slip, stumble, fall, make mistakes, as surely we all of us shall do as we all of us have done in the past, well, the fault will be ours, not yours. Give us, Lord, a stronger and stronger habit of mind and heart, of looking to you to hold us up, give us strength, give us wisdom, and carry us through whatever it is that life is exposing us to right now. And we pray especially for those of us who are having to live with chronic pain and disability, those who are having to live with chronic difficulties of mind and memory and attitude towards others, teach us, each one of us, we pray, that we need never hesitate to bring Mm. needs to you, no matter how great. We are weak, but you are strong and you are committed to stand by us and strengthen us Make your strength perfect in our weakness as we seek to handle the realities of our life. We are in your hands, Lord Jesus, and we rejoice that we are. We look forward to the day when we shall be with you, see you, and see your glory, and move into that deeper, direct fellowship with you, which is going to be our joy and delight for all eternity. Bless us now, Lord Jesus, we pray, and lead us on with yourself. For your name's sake, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us on Great Stories with Charles Morris and our special guest today, the late theologian, J.I. Packer, or as most people called him and knew him, Jim. One thing I loved about him so much was his love for Jesus. And even though he was a world-renowned theologian, he was known to share the gospel with people he met in his day-to-day life. I'm so thankful you got to hear this special time I had with Dr. Packer a few years before his homecoming. And I really look forward to meeting him one day in heaven. When you have time, would you please visit our website and sign up for our weekly email to remind you about the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe through the service you use to listen. Links are in the show notes. Thanks for joining me today for Great Stories with Charles Morris.